0: Welcome to the Visat Podcast. I'm Alex Miller with Corporate Communications and with us today is Rick Baldrich, Visat's president and CEO. Thanks for being on the podcast today, Rick. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Hey, Rick, it's been a busy few months for you. So starting in November with your transition to the roles of president and CEO, then the announcement of our interest to purchase the remaining 51% of Euro broadband infrastructure, which would give us full operation of the KASAT satellite over Europe. In December, we announced a definitive agreement to acquire RigNet, and then we opened this calendar year with an announcement that Viasat would be an in-flight connectivity provider on hundreds of Delta aircraft. And that was quickly followed by the announcement of our distribution deal in Brazil with Sky Brazil. So it's been an eventful few months to say the least, and it'd be great to hear from you on how all of these announcements flow into Viasat's greater vision and execution plan. So, so let's jump in. Uh, so the first question I want to ask was, uh, as you look ahead to calendar year 2021, where do you see Viasat needing to focus?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we talked about this uh, a little while back uh, when, you know, Mark uh, made the announcement of our transition, you know, what our near-term focus was. And it remains the same thing. It's really, you know, uh, job one is getting these Viasat 3 satellites completed. And and we we then move the payload, we complete the payload, we move that payload to Boeing for integration, With the bus, uh, uh, which is really the power behind the satellite. And then they attach from there, they attach the solar arrays and the reflectors and integrate the entire package and it goes through testing. And then we ship to the launch site. So the first one is getting close to ship to Boeing, the first payload. Uh, The second one is a few months behind that one, and the third one's somewhere between six and 12 months behind that. It's hyper-focused on getting those things done, completed, shipped, uh, and so we can get those satellite launch. We've been talking a lot about being uh, somewhat constrained. So that's job one. Job two is making sure that we're ready for those satellites to be launched, making sure that we have teams in place, tools in place, and those tools are really more advanced digital tools in place so we can achieve the scale that we're going to achieve. We've been able to play in the, you know, in the North American sandbox a lot. This is a set of tools that we're going to have to roll out globally. So getting those tools in place, getting the teams in place, getting the partnerships in place so that when those satellites go up, we can turn them into product. So big job on a big scale. And one of the other things that I've highlighted, you know, over the last year is, I think of those things that we do well and those things that we do less well. And I've kicked off some initiatives in areas where I think we can have improvement. One of those is this area of automation and scale. But another one is the area of customer focus or people say customer centric. You know, each year I go away for a few days and I try to come back with a renewed approach to the job. So I'm not just repeating the same job as before. And so when I think about areas where Viasec could benefit from this area of hyper-focus on customer outcomes, what are we trying to, to achieve? And making sure that feeds what we do in the company is an area that I think we can do quite a bit better at. We have some people in the company that are quite good at it. I want to focus on that and By focusing on that, that means a lot of things. It means understanding ways in which we're good at and ways in which we're not. That's making sure we have alignment among the leadership team first, and then alignment among our people. And then putting some educational and awareness efforts out there to try to migrate us to a company that has a really high score. There's a lot of data out there that says companies that do two things well, one is attract and Retain the best people, and then the other one is attract and retain and support the best customers. People that have better customer retention satisfaction and better employee retention satisfaction do better than their peers in every market. And so those are the things that that we're focused on here in 2021. One other little, not little, but important part of that, as we all think about, because we're growing as a company over the next five years. We, you know, we plan to roughly double the size of our company. Is we're going to create new roles. We're going to evolve roles. Uh, We're going to create new leaders. And uh, we're going to attract a lot of people to the company. So the idea that's always been advice since the three founders started it was an idea that we're a meritocracy-based company. And the idea that diversity of thought, of sex, of Color of geography, all those things are very positive attributes to creating a company, a high achieving company. And so, diversity, inclusion, some, you know, it's kind of the tagline for a lot of people. It's not a tagline here. It's a very big focus on us here at the company. And it's certainly important to me that we make really good progress. When the company was small, it was easy to do. As you grow, it gets a little harder. And so, it's a renewed focus on us. And as we begin to grow here again with new satellites and new capacity over the next few years, we have an opportunity to make really good progress in this area.
0: All right. Well, that sounds like a pretty full plate. So uh, the next question I wanted to ask you was, uh, you know, as a CEO uh, in a time during COVID with all of these uncertainties, how do you inspire and motivate a a distributed, increasingly global team to meet those focus areas? First, I'd like to say that
1: I am so impressed with how our Employees and how our team members have dealt with this. I mean, none of us saw it coming. I mean, none of us saw it coming, and we were rushed into it. We had to adjust quickly, and we've done it with you know such grace and and productivity. And uh, people have set a lot of their personal lives aside for a while until we could get adjusted. And you know, there we're all suffering through the same sets of limitations. So I want to say thanks and uh, to all our employees and. Uh, believe me, I recognize because I've seen it from kind of the very youngest of families to some of the you know more senior groups and talk to a lot of people about what they're going through. So none of us would have chosen this. On the other side of that is it has created a new way of doing business. It's certainly, we won't return to what we were. I'd love for us to return to, what, to where we were. That won't happen. Uh, some people will choose through working with their teams that they are going to work from home for two days a week, or uh, they're moved to a new location, they're going to work from there remotely, but in one of our offices, or they're going to come back five days a week, or they're going to come back four days a week and work from home. There's going to be this mix of things, and we have to rethink the way we deal with facilities, and we'll have some hoteling offices in all of our locations, and We just have to make sure that we change and adapt and listen to our employees as we go through that. We're reaching out to our employees to get their feedback on what's working and what's not working. And believe me, out of the things that we've heard, there are things we can do to make things better. So we're hyper-focused on
0: that. So you talked a little bit earlier about customer centricity, but I wanted to loop back around to that and and uh, just ask about that forward-looking approach and what it means to you, and and what are some of the maybe technical angles that you talked about that uh, we need to employ to make that vision a reality? Sure.
1: You know, Mark always likes to use the, you know, it's attributed to Henry Ford. I'm not sure it was Henry Ford, but who uh, always said, well, if I had built what my customers wanted, I would have built a faster horse, right? So I think some of our employees have, and, and you know, my, and what he's really saying is, don't just do what they tell you to do. You know, be thoughtful about it. Uh, maybe they don't understand, for instance, what they can do with 100 megabits per second versus one megabit per second. They know when it goes wrong. They know when something goes wrong with it, but maybe they don't know what they can do. So, you, you know, which involves anticipation and all of that. I think some of our employees have misinterpreted that as saying. Don't listen to your customers. Don't, you know, that's not what Mark was saying. So, for instance, if you just listen to the procurement organization of the Department of Defense, you may not be solving the problem of your real customer. And that's the guy that's, you know, on the front lines in Afghanistan. What they need may be completely different than what somebody else is buying for them. So, really really understanding the problem and projecting that problem into the future so that we can design things that solve that much more quickly whether you're sitting in an airline seat for instance one of our early airline customers had a consulting firm come in and help to try to determine whether it was even possible to get some third-party payer to subsidize the bandwidth so they can get access to the people in the airplane and this very large consulting firm, one of the very top consulting firms said, you can't do it. They've looked across all industries, across this one, it's impossible. And the good news is we ignored them and we created a way so you could do that, which ultimately brought a, another big name in uh, to subsidize that to gain, to encourage those customers to use their product versus their competitor's product. And it worked and it worked so well, it, they were happy writing the check. We've done that again and again and again. And so that's an area where really understanding the art of the possible with our technology and what the real customers want and not stopping at a gatekeeper has worked in our advantage. So when I talk about customer centricity, really talking about where that point of leverage is so that we can create an opportunity. So that they can be delighted with what we deliver, we can deliver an outcome that's what they want. So you know we're very focused on bringing uh, the digital community environment to people that can afford maybe low dollars per month in connectivity costs. So we're hyper focused on driving that cost down, can reach them because then we can bring them education, we can bring them healthcare into that environment, we can bring them access to commerce so they can sell goods and services. And we know they want it because we get the feedback for what happens when we do it and understanding what they want and delighting them. We know that people don't like the thing they don't like about our bandwidth in the US is there's not enough of it. It's, it's like going to a certain restaurant, getting great food, and but there's just not enough. And so we're working hard to create that so that we can give an unlimited experience so it's really focusing on that side of the thing again taking care of the customer making in my view your employees come first then you take care of the customer and that takes care of everything else and so it's it's going through customer awareness measuring customer sentiment solving those problems and i think there's a pretty thorough set of tools that we can deploy that make that work significantly better today one of them that we're doing right now is not a survey but it's a it's a communication with a customer where they answer a series of questions and there are ai and machine learning tools behind that that actually change subsequent questions and from that we can learn some real issues of what they think about our various services and tools to them that any other survey tool we've ever used before has been unable to answer
0: okay and that that ai uh, is also going to be employed to help manage the network as well right
1: yeah we're help manage the network help identify the right potential customers and and then these other tools to help actually test customer sentiment automation ai and ml are tools that are going to be the only way that we can actually grow and scale economically, globally. And uh, it's, a, it's another area that uh, it's not very clear to point directly to the return. But I can tell you, if we don't do it, we will become non-competitive in the future. And so we are investing in that area uh, to, to a, a very large extent.
0: So uh, switching gears, uh, you've talked uh, a lot about diversification, uh, which has helped the company uh, during the COVID downturn, but a lot of external stakeholders see us in the US residential market only. So how do we communicate our diversification strategy in the market and show how it's helped the company? And, and are we planning further diversification in 2021? And what does that look like?
1: You know, so when I joined the company in early 99, I was about 95% defense. And Mark had started working on some commercial products and we had some commercial products at the time, but he also saw this future where you could design and build a satellite at KA band, which had much more spectrum at KA band than they had at what had previously been used, which was KU. And so more spectrum meant more bandwidth, and then you could use frequency reuse, think of Think of cellular networks where they're reusing the same frequency in in non-adjacent uh, networks. So you can reduce interference, but continue to reuse frequency. So you think about that in terms of beams and where you separate like frequencies from similar beams overlap to reduce uh, interference. But also that allows you to use again and again and again for reuse that that, that spectrum which creates bandwidth. And so you could do that in a way, you could design that in a way that you could provide real broadband services that were similar to what they were getting on terrestrial and an economic investment that was similar to. So you could compete with terrestrial broadband, hadn't really been done. So focused on that, actually partnered with somebody who was doing it, built technology to it, then decided to build our own satellite and go into the service ourselves. And the most logical place to do that was residential broadband, right? So that's where we went. We were able to fill the satellites up. Then we were able to begin to move into some other markets, uh, commercial air, some enterprise applications, uh, a, a little bit of maritime and begin to grow these other markets and more satellites. So the Vice had 2 satellite with a bridge from North America to Europe for aero routes and some maritime routes, and a bridge across the Caribbean down to South America for some of our airline customers and also maritime got us into some new markets. Uh, we've been investing and in getting focused on enterprise and in the future on mobility efforts. Uh, the recent Acquisition of RigNet uh, that we announced, uh, which hasn't closed yet but should close, will get us into some new verticals that we've been looking at for a long time uh, mining, energy markets, uh, IoT and SCADA networks. Uh, so there's some new efforts there as well. We are looking at other verticals, and I can't call the timing. The RigNet opportunity for us was a decision do we go. It's kind of a make-buy decision. Do we go build our own, hire some people that have domain knowledge and build practices and start selling? And I think it would take us some time. This was really an acceleration for us into that market, as was the purchase of Wild Blue when we were going to start our own residential service. So we then launched community Wi-Fi service in Mexico, which we've actually launched a little bit of that in some markets in the U.S. as well. And so, yes, you're going to see us continue to diversify. And it has never been more important than it was when most of our airlines got grounded uh, along with COVID. And the demand for broadband at home went up as people stayed at home and went to school and did Zoom meetings and worked from home. So uh, and that also meant they were available to watch more Disney at home, too, over our network. So uh, the diversification has been you know there sometimes our defense business was growing our commercial business wasn't our, our commercial defense business flattened and our commercial business was growing so this idea of you know portfolio diversification helps you go through those cycles and also makes you less dependent so you know well, one of the things we always don't like is we must have or must win programs or must achieve here so if there's an area where there's just too much resistance and the economics don't work we have other domains to fall back on and it's it's been very important to our long-term strategy. It's worked for us over the years. It creates an opportunity for our employees. People can move around and, and, and apply their skills to different things and learn different parts of our business. So uh, it gives us really good people opportunity to work on fun stuff that they may not have been able to work on before.
0: Yeah, that's great. I know a lot of people in the company who've who've moved around into from from in not necessarily logical uh, places, but uh, really enjoy a different kind of career. So yeah, all right. So one final question, Rick. Uh, our company is known for its culture, building community, and encouraging curiosity around ongoing learning. And central to that is talking about business strategies and halting company wide book clubs, where we've talked about everything from business disruption to driving greater happiness in and out of the workplace. So with that backdrop. Has has there been anything that you've seen or read recently that's sparked new thinking or energy or, or maybe rethink how you approach the, the working environment?
1: I love books. I, I There's not a single book that I agree with everything I read in it, except maybe my college math books. But <laughs> I always can get nuggets out of them that I find really interesting. And I'm reading two books right now. One, uh, I'm reading three, but The two that come to mind here, one was given to me by a friend and it's called greatness with a small G. And that's really important here because what it really says is (laughs) you're not great. Greatness isn't about you. It's about things that you do and people that you're around and and things that motivate you. And the nugget I'm getting out of there is this nugget about setting goals. And I'm not a big goal setter guy. I, I am a big challenge setter person. I love really, really hard stretch challenges in that. But this is breaking that down into some really definitive and doable goals that are challenging. And so, I'm going through that right now. And it's it's a completely different look at it than I've ever taken. And the one thing it highlights that is if you're getting 100, not a very good goal. And, and so, you know, you might even start off getting heaven forbid we say this, but you might even start off getting a C and then you get a B and then maybe you get an A, but you never get there and you can keep changing those goals so that they're challenging it. It's it's got a really thoughtful approach to it that I like and really good ways to use visuals to help you kind of as reminders, constant reminders and then measurable results. So uh, that's one that I'm really interested on. Another one is one I read a long time ago but have recently picked up again, and it's uh, what got you here won't get you there. Okay, And it really resonates with me because each year I go away over the holidays and I spend some time rethinking, what would I do if I just came into my job? Mm-hmm. What changes do I think should make? Let me take a fresh look at everything. And the goal there is to not to repeat the same year you did last year in the same way. And as leaders, you can get hyper-focused on because you've been successful at the things you've done, thinking those things you've done are what make you successful, that's a terrible pattern to get into. I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna focus on this, I'm gonna write these things down. I'm gonna instead investing in some real creative time to think about and trying to think about things differently and trying not to get stuck in this momentum mode of just doing what you've done because it's worked for you and not repeating that is and, and there's some real cool elements in that book about this. And and uh, so, those are the two right now that I'm kind of uh, focused on. One, because it's that time of year when I do that. I try to rethink how I approach the job. Uh, some of this communication stuff we talked about earlier is one. Uh, and, and that came out of necessity because of COVID. But uh, there are things like that that we need to do differently. And so... Not too long ago, I talked about a book, The Happiness Advantage, which I think is also a great book. It's a lot about teamwork and relationships and encouragement and uh, being able to achieve things as a team that seem impossible as an individual. These two new ones are are. Just the latest things, and and I'm I'm dragging a couple nuggets out of them that I really like.
0: Okay, yeah, I would expect as as a CEO that you have to read, uh, you know, those kinds of books. So do you also do you also read uh, books for for more like for fun? You know, I don't. I've got uh, I normally have
1: um, uh, I'll read some books on uh, project related books to help me learn about a new a technique to do some things, uh, and then books like this, which. These are not just books that are focused on business, but they're books that are focused on your life. I read one a couple of years ago that really helped me. And the key principle in that book was ruthlessly eliminate hurriedness in your life. It's not talking about busy. It's talking about being focused and not being hurried and creating some margins in your life. And those margins are for somebody who wants to walk in my door and talk, I like to have some time to spend and invest and talk to them. Or a friend gives me a call and is going through some issues. I want to be able to invest in them. And this hurriedness principle has caused me to rethink a lot of things that I do. And quite frankly, I think it's made me more productive.
0: All right. Well, some inspiring thoughts to to end with, uh, Rick. So thanks for that. And thanks for taking the time to talk today. Uh, We have had a lot going on in the last quarter, as we just talked about, but uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you uh, again after the end of uh, next quarter. So uh, we'll come back. (laughs) All right, Alex. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Biasat podcast. If you know someone you think would be interested in what you've heard on this episode, please share. You can always find the latest episodes on our blog at viasat.com. And you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or just about anywhere you get your podcasts.